Welcome back to the JB Show. Today we have Jay Kerwitz. Did I pronounce your last name right? Yeah, that's right. All right, sweet. People normally fuck it up. <laughs> how, how do they usually say it? I get Horowitz a lot. <laughs> I've gotten Hurlwitz, Hurtwitz, a couple other bad ones, but Hurwitz is right. Hell yeah. Yeah. So my sister made the introduction clutch, but uh, I wanted to get your whole take on kind of working for yourself, being an entrepreneur. Yeah, I know you're talking to me about TED Talks. Yeah. Just to let the audience know. Um, interesting story you were telling me about the application process. If you don't mind going over that again, that would be awesome. Cool. You want me to dive into that right now? Or Yeah, yeah. Let's start. Let's start with that and we'll uh, it'll kind of transition as we go. Sure. Well, I haven't done a TED Talk yet. Okay. Um, I mean, TEDx X stands for like the independently organized TED event. They take place everywhere. I mean, really small ones up to really big ones, really small being like, TEDx Boulder when I was at CU or TEDx CU was like the small TEDx event um, in college. And they're all independently organized. So the application process is different for all of them. Mm-hmm. So essentially, if you want to speak at the event, um, you just apply online. Um, normally, the, you have to obviously explain like what the topic is you want to talk on and why you're uniquely qualified to give that talk. Um, but it, essentially, what I learned about it after being rejected from a couple of TED Talks, yeah, A, by like kind of half-assing the application, but B, um, what they care the most about is it matching up with the theme of the event itself. Yeah. So if the theme is like cultural, you know, travel or something like that, and you pitch something on education reform, like it's probably not going to match up that clearly mm-hmm. and you probably won't get in. Yeah. Um, like they care the most about filling seats and it being like an amazing experience. For sure. Yeah. And then... I know it's tougher, especially you're a senior in school, and I was kind of talking about this in my last episode, but were you just in the hunt for a job, or did you know you wanted to work for yourself? Because I know you did Boulder Bits and all, so you really had that young entrepreneurial mind yeah. from a sense of college. So could you tell me what that was like? Um, I never looked for a job. Really? I never went to a career fair. I never met my career counselors. Um, nothing wrong with those. It just didn't feel like the right fit for me. So, I mean, the story really started when I was like eight all right let's i'll yeah. love to bring the leg. let's do it yeah so um i was eight years old always been super obsessed with skateboarding yeah and always was really creative it was like a little artist growing up um, i still am an artist but at the time i remember printing out on microsoft word these flyers for skateboard repair service mm-hmm. i made like got like some clip art and did the word art it was like jake skateboard repair service and i took the um flyers i printed probably like 250 of them and distributed them at every mailbox in my neighborhood wow which took a couple hours and this was when you were eight yeah i was eight i just like skated around put the um put the flyers in then my family got a a notice in the mail saying um we're getting fined because i'm not allowed to do that yeah Uh, so essentially like did you end up getting fined Oh yeah, we totally got a fine. How much was the fine? It was like fifteen hundred bucks. Really? Yeah. Putting shit in people's mailboxes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But you're eight years old. Right. That was it. Was it was ridiculous. I did that at sophomore year of high school when I was putting shit in people's mailboxes. Totally. They were sketched out too. And you know what? It's like, sure, fine us. Really? My parents. They were like, they were kind of excited. They were like, that's pretty cool. Um. So I had one customer. It was this old guy who went out, bought a skateboard, broke it, and then hired me to fix it. Such a sweetheart, right? Yeah. It's the nicest thing ever. Um. So that was, that was, I think, when my parents noticed that I had this entrepreneurial inkling mm-hmm. and then they, they pushed me a lot for that, mostly my dad. Um, so as I was through high, went through high school, I would always have a choice, like work at the movie theater, work at the pizza shop, or like start a tutoring company yeah. or um, go you know, deliver newspapers or 
start a babysitting service mm -hmm. and make a ton more money, have no taxes and get to work on my own dime. Yeah. I always chose that route and it was harder, but a lot more fun. And I made like a couple hundred bucks a day just oh, like sweet. helping younger kids learn math or science or like quizzing them for their exams mm. or babysitting people or like teaching art classes. Um, then I like really started to pride myself on being an entrepreneur, I'd say like junior year of high school. Okay. Um, it kind of became my identity. I think for a lot of entrepreneurs who are young um, that and they start to see results and they start to like people around them start to describe them to others as like this entrepreneurial kid, it becomes your identity, which gets really dangerous down the line. But at the time it was like, yes, yeah, totally who I am. And it becomes really exciting and um, starts to like feed my ego at a young age, which has problems. But it was also a good thing, I think, at times. So what was your business venture junior year of high school? So I had a bunch. The I started the tutoring business. So I was working with like six kids a day after school every day. Wow. Were you the only tutor? Did you hire other tutors? <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> uh, this is a good story. Actually, I was the I was the only tutor. I tried hiring others, but couldn't find any other students that I would trust with my students. But at my high school, there was this woman who ran uh, the YES office. It stands for Youth Employment Services. Mm -hmm. And every day they would make announcements um, over the loudspeaker that said, like, hey, we're looking for a tutor for a fourth grader in the Boulder Ridge area. Yeah. Um, basically, younger parents in the district would call the school for older students to um, help their kid learn math or like tutor or something. That's sweet. So I went to her one day and I was like, hey, look, you're hurting my business by making these announcements to the whole school. Can you give me priority and basically feed me these clients before you make the announcement? If I don't want them, then you you can make the announcement. She was like, sure. No idea why she ever made that deal. That was like the w biggest one-sided deal in history, but <laughs> but she made that deal. Granted, I'm like 16 years old. Yeah. Um, and so she was basically sending me emails every week that were like, hey, this is a list of the 12 people that need tutoring help like this week. There's tons of demand for it. And so I just would then pick and choose which families I wanted to work with. Um, so I was basically adding like 100 bucks a day. That's awesome. Um, it's like no taxes, saw cash. And so it was cool. It's funny because ACT tutors make and SAT tutors make so much so money. Much. I was just kind of going around to my friends and asking how much people actually pay for them. Mm -hmm. Some tutors actually get paid over $200 an hour for ACTL. Yeah, totally. Now, granted, like I was, I'm not smart. Like I had a 2.9 GPA in college. I'm not book smart. I couldn't study for shit. Yeah. But to teach like a sixth grader edition. Yeah. Like, or like what's the hardest edition they had to do? Nine plus seven. Like, <laughs> it's pretty straightforward. Yeah. I'm actually thinking in my head, what is that? 26? Nine plus seven? 19 plus seven is oh, 26. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. 26. Nine plus like, seven. I was like, yeah. like, like I said, I'm not good not at math. teaching math. But you know what? Like, look, it, it didn't come down to the, the tutoring help at all. What it came yeah. down to was, A, how much the kid enjoyed hanging out with me and how good I was at talking to the parents. Okay. That's it. Like, yeah. if a parent felt like they could really trust me with their kid for an hour and that they were in good hands. That's where it and, comes to people skills. Exactly. And like, frankly, they I they could certainly trust me with their kid for an hour. Like, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push this kid. I'm going to get to understand like how they learn. And um, granted, I haven't tutored in like seven years, but if I do the math properly on that one, it's seven or eight years. Wait, so how'd you learn how to market yourself kind of as the front face for these companies and especially relationship building, I know is one of the most important things. Um, I mean, there isn't like one place that I learned it all. It was yeah. no book I read. First of all, a lot of it, I was just born with the, born with those natural social, yeah, yeah, like natural, like you have it too, right? Like you just go out and talk to humans I, and I love it. Though, take yeah. an interest in yeah. others. Um, another thing though, is like I, from a very young age, my parents, my grandparents, really instilled like good manners in me like look someone in the eye shake their hand be polite say please and thank you like yeah. clean up after yourself 
you know, tuck in your shirt, like don't put your elbows on the table, stuff like that. And that was like aggressive in my household, which paid off because, you know, when I'm 14 and I can look at some kid's dad and like look him in the eye and talk about my tutoring business or my yeah. landscaping company. And the other kids are like picking their nose and shitting their <laughs> pants. It's like, yeah, it, it really makes you stand out. Um, My and parents then when, threatened me to go to manners school, but did never, they never bought any of that bullshit? Yeah. Did, did you go? You no, didn't, you didn't go? absolutely not. Well, you seem like it might be all right now, but like I get it now at the time. You're like, screw that. Reading but, did it for me, though. OK, just reading a bunch of books about self-improvement really helped yeah. me grow. Yeah, for sure. But then the next piece, it was it was mentors. OK, um, that's I went, what I'm finding now. Yeah. So Great. when I got to college, um, I, I never would have done this on my own, I think. So I really have to give some major props and and gratitude to the lead school business. Yeah. Because before I even went to college, I remember the summer between my senior year of high school and freshman year of college, I got an email saying, hey, um, we're matching you up with this kid, Caleb. He's a junior or senior at, at Leeds. He's your peer mentor. Like, here's his contact info. You guys should chat. So I was like, all right, cool. I was, oh, I was yeah. psyched. I was like, oh my God, this like older student's going to take me under his wing and show me around. So um, I emailed with Caleb a bit. And then the first day of college, he was like, come meet me here. And I met him and he like helped me get all set up. It was awesome. And we had to do these regular check-ins. It was a little bit too formal every like other week for a while. Um, it was like week one, he had to like look at my resume. Week two, we had to like do a cover letter. And then it's kind of nice that you get that stuff done early. Kind of nice, totally. Yeah. Um, but I remember one day we were sitting there... Um, just like shooting the shit on the on Farron Field. And he was just like, look, I'll be straight with you. Like, we don't need to keep doing this resume stuff. Like, you know, I'm only a few years older than you too. I think it's yeah. BS also. But he said, dude, I'll give you a piece of advice, which is um, go out and try to get one coffee a week with a new person every week until you graduate from college. Wow. And you kept true to that? And I was like, that's interesting. Why would I ever want to do that? Like I'd way rather play beer die and, and get high with my friends, basically. Yeah. Like I'm I'm 18 years old, right? Yeah. Um, and he's like, look, I get it, but just like keep that advice in the back of your head. And when you go for these meetings, when you're done, ask when you're done at every meeting, ask them who should I meet next. And that yeah, basically uh, referrals. I love referrals. it. Referrals. So what I do every time now. Yeah, totally. And yeah. so after like I think my first semester, the first semester I was just like getting out of my system, enjoying college, mm -hmm. being free, you know, like you know that. And then then I was like, all right, I'm gonna give this a shot. I mean, I like Caleb. Let's just go ask Caleb, like, hey, man, who should I meet next? And he's like, there we go. He introduced me to the next person. Okay. So I go meet them for coffee. And I sit down. I'm so like, interesting. hey, like, I'm a student. And they know what's up. Like, they want to ask. They, they kind of know, like, how to get the conversation how started. How did you reach out to these people? Or is it all through a referral basis after the first person? It's pretty much always an email introduction. Okay. Um, awesome. And, you know, look, you get good at emails pretty quickly. Like, yeah. You just learn how to not be, basically not be like a pussy or a loser yeah. or an asshole over, um, over email. Yeah. So... Started going to these coffee meetings and would just basically like wasn't really asking for advice, but was just asking about what these people did in college. And yeah. they were like, some were still in school, some were a few years out, some were just like cool founders in the community in Boulder. And over time, that the stature of person I was meeting with just got better and better and better and better. Mm. So after about a year, I ended up meeting with some like really cool local entrepreneurs in Boulder, um, some of which had like done pretty well with businesses. Some were like in their mid 20s, mid 30s, whatever. And they basically had got me to this point, like pushing me to like not Hell take yeah. an internship and start my first company. Mm -hmm. So that was mid sophomore year. Okay. Yeah. Um, at that point, I had like I'd been like freelancing um, for local businesses. Just that while in school. Yeah, while in That's school. That's incredible. My uh, first business venture in school was selling jewel pods. Okay. Uh, we just ordered a bunch, and then kind of were the first ones to distribute them among like on campus. But now. 
like everybody fucking does that. Dude, though. it was a good market opportunity. Yeah, you found the time. It was, and then it kind of t- took off. So the way we would do it is we would find coupon codes online, but then right when we stopped finding coupon codes, I was just like, this is just not. How long did that it. last for? I would say two and a half, three months. It was. All right. Yeah. So did it, you make good money? Yeah, we we pocketed. So we split it with three people just because I all, we all didn't want to front like a thousand dollars right off of our bank account. So it was easier if you divide it by three. So. We did it that way. We made good money. And then my entrepreneurial side, I started a t-shirt company, but I didn't feel like putting in the work for a website and kind of stocking all that stuff up. But my real first successful one was uh, I did a car washing business. I managed a bunch of people to go out and wash cars. My marketing was a website and then they could just order through the website as well as <laughs> flooded people's uh, mailboxes. I caught a couple of times doing that and people got pretty angry, but yeah, I love the entrepreneurial side, but how did you learn that you just hate fucking working for other people? I I don't hate fucking working for other people. Yeah. I just simply can't do it. Okay. So it's, what about it? Just out of curiosity. Well, you know, it sounds crazy and I'm going to like put nah, a little disclaimer up front. Yeah. I'm going to put a disclaimer up front and like, I'm just going to say, I'm going to be careful how I word this. Okay. Um, I found the vast, vast majority of people that I would work for, I have no interest in being one day. Okay. It's that simple. Like, it makes I sense. don't want to be under the wing of somebody that I don't that I don't want to be myself. Okay. Day. Like, I only want to be mentored by anybody that I look up to. And I just had a really hard time finding those people. But the ones that I really do want to become, I mean, those are people that like, they're really up there. And the likelihood of me being able to just go work with them it's pretty unlikely to work for them. It's pretty unlikely. Yeah, It's actually a lot easier to get their attention by starting my own thing. Okay. Plus- um, Are these people that you met through the coffee meetings or you outbound reached out to through LinkedIn or-, or It's everything. Awesome. I will always continue coffee meetings for as long as I live. Yeah. There's no, I'm never too good for that. I learned that actually, I thought when I was like all my high horse from one of my ventures, um, then it crashed and burned. I was like, actually- humble the fuck up yeah um that happened a couple times actually which is great but always the coffee meetings always just like staying on top of i think the next thing um as soon as everything's a trend right yeah like, what's a really hot trend right now do you use linkedin yes all right the I'm hottest trend right now is like everyone puts up little voice video. message voice message on linkedin or no i haven't used that yet okay it's actually um, great for uh just like cold calling and, and, and totally yeah um cold calling is pretty true to it's pretty timeless that'll yeah. always be a great yeah. thing and I, I do believe that but i mean look for example right now a really hot trend is um putting up little like less than 60 second videos on linkedin with subtitles just talking about like some sort of marketing strategy mm-hmm. um like Gary V. Totally. Yeah. Gary V. Pioneered that. I was doing that a little while ago, but now that's all you see. So what makes it noteworthy or what makes it catch people's eye anymore? Absolutely nothing. So why would I do that at all? So I, I spend a lot of my time thinking about what's the next way to approach people okay. or the next way to catch attention. And what's your train of thought well, through that? Oftentimes it's not something ever new or novel. It's just the most genuine forms of communication that get overlooked. Like for example, handwritten notes or sending somebody a bottle of wine as a thank you. Yeah. Um, or just sending them a text that was like, Hey, we haven't talked in a couple of years, but, um, how are you? Like, just want to catch up and see how things are. How's your summer treating you? We'd love to catch up one of these days. Yeah. That's what stands out. Not like putting eight hours into a video with subtitles and talking about like some new outbound or top of funnel marketing strategy. Mm -hmm. Um, if you do enough of those over time, it might grow and grow and grow. But like, there's nothing will ever beat, in my opinion, um, 
forming personal relationships with people because you actually get out in the community and do great things and provide value for others. And then just like forming real human relationships. Um, the more people you do that with, it becomes exponential growth because um, you un unlock their networks as well. It's like a tree. Yeah. So, wow. yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm constantly always like trying to, I'm always thinking about what's a better way to emerge. For example, a few years ago, right when I'd started at Boulder Bits. Yeah. Um, Can you kind of explain Boulder Bits too? Yeah, yeah. So Boulder awesome. Bits was a startup studio. Um, are you familiar with an incubator or an accelerator? No. All right. So a VC fund. Yes. Great. So we were basically a small team of entrepreneurs who got together, one of which has a bunch of money in his bank account, in our case. Um, he wants to invest it, but he doesn't want to just like go out and pick companies and invest his money. He wants to actually like build these companies yeah. and enjoy the process of like coming up with new ideas, really struggling through the challenge of like bringing something to market and creating it from scratch and then having a much bigger portion of equity and investing in it. So Boulder Bits was a small team of entrepreneurs who would start and invest in about four or five companies a year. So we basically spent all our time like talking about startup ideas, coming up with startup ideas, killing most of them. Like we would kill thousands a year. Yeah. And then end up really picking at least one or so a quarter and then working with the right founders to bring those to life. Um, so I was the VP of branding there. So everything that we started, I was in charge of all of our marketing design, creative. Did you see media. much success with it? Or well, some companies um, just w inside the fund that you guys are investing in? Yeah, we had um, one of ours get acquired back in January. Wow. Um, but unfortunately, what had happened was Boulder Bits was around for like a little over two years or so. Um, I was there for uh, a little over a year and a half. And in January, like literally out of nowhere, one day we learned that our CEO is taking a medical leave of absence. Yeah. Um, so we shut down. Now, that was back in Boulder. I was living in Denver for two years after college. So, okay. Um, we're just like, yeah, so like we're shutting down, you know, that's it. Um, that's life coming at you with a left hook. Mm -hmm. But you learn from those type of things, right? What are some uh, biggest lessons you learned with failure in some of the startups you've had? Yeah, that's the big question. Yeah. Um, I mean, I could talk about that for 10 hours. Well, let's. I've learned quite we'll a few. Yeah, so I, I have a one notable failure story. Um, so I started Eyesight Creative when I was 19. That was my first like real company. Like it was a real company with a bank account and an EIN and taxes and all that. Um, that was when I was a sophomore. That was a creative agency in Boulder. We helped local startups build websites, videos, logos, you name it. And it was great. It was like the first agency that was born in, in the Boulder, Denver startup scene that was specifically made for startups. Startups didn't have a lot of money to spend on good marketing materials. Yeah. So therefore, most of the startups marketing materials sucked. So it made the whole community, like startup community, look like shit. Yeah. Um, well, I realized, look, I'm in college and I don't need a lot of money at all because I'm a college student. Neither do any of these students here, but they're really good at design or writing code or video or whatever. What if I built an agency where the students were the ones actually doing the work for the startups and they'd mm -hmm. save a bunch of money? So essentially like a thousand bucks for a student to build a website. It's amazing. Yeah. It's thousand, such good money. A thousand bucks for a startup is nothing. It's a great deal. Yeah. So we worked with a ton of clients, like 80 some odd clients in the first 18 months, just basically like cranked out work for all the startups. Yeah. Um, it was really, really awesome. Then uh, the beginning of my senior year, a little bit before that, me and my co-founder, um, we're kind of we were just kind of over working with clients. We were like, students are 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 really screwing us up here. They're showing up extremely unprofessional. They're showing up late. They're not writing good emails. And um, are they not? Were the websites 
the work Efficient was the work no? was good. Okay. The work was good, but the process of creating the work was getting really bad. Yeah. So like we'd have a really big client meeting. And essentially, like in the beginning, it wasn't that big of a deal. But once we start growing, I mean, we were we were billing like seven, eight thousand dollars for for a website design, um, which at the time was was huge money for us. And like look, seven thousand, eight thousand dollars for a startup is like that's worthwhile. They're not just gonna like blink at that. They're gonna take their time, make sure this is like a good investment for them. Yeah. And so when it got to that point, the students were finals would roll around and they'd like show up late or they would just like miss a client meeting or they'd like miss a deadline by two weeks because they were too busy or like Halloween weekend kid just gets too drunk and like writes bad code. Mm-hmm. Um, not acceptable with a company at all. So essentially me and my co-founder were like, damn, you know, we're way more stoked on helping other students learn business skills than we are helping these like rinky dink startups create a new ad for like their, you know, phone case or like mm-hmm. new type of headphones or something. Um, so I ran this accelerator program summer between my junior and senior year of college. Um, it was called the eyesight accelerator. Basically I brought in five creatives to spend half their time working on client projects and then half their time working on business skills, uh, with local mentors. So like all the mentors that I had, they would come in and teach a workshop with my students. So that's they would, awesome. They would learn like public speaking, how to build a resume, all kinds of cool stuff like that. Um, all the things that matter. Yeah. And so the hypothesis with this was if I could teach the like 20 key skills and like really get through to these students through mentors and help them build their network in 10 weeks, then maybe they can meet, uh, land their dream job. Yeah. How would you say someone entering their senior year of college could find that mentor or what steps would you take to find that? So easy. It's, it's at everyone's fingertips. Um, I'll come back to that in a second and I'll just finish the story okay. real quick. But what ended up happening was the mentor relationships were so powerful for these students that they like were craving learning more stuff. All of them landed their dream jobs in eight weeks. That's insane. So we were like, damn, there's something here. Let's turn this into a much bigger startup. Um, we had built and scaled that for about a year and a half. And then that one just failed miserably. That's mm. that's a big failure story where I learned a ton. Now the mentor piece, um, I would say like, first of all, I've noticed way too many college students give themselves this little pity party of like, oh, I don't know anyone. Like, yeah, I need, it's I, need crazy. I need to get my foot in the door. Like, no, you know, way more people than you think. First of all, you've got a ton of friends who have parents. You have parents who have a ton of friends. You have professors. You have professors that you don't even have, but you have access to them through your school. Yeah. You have the greatest asset you will ever have in your young career, which is the student card. Yes, that's what my mom always preaches that. What's what's great about that card? It expires really soon, but I've used the student card basically. You play the student card, which is like, hey, I'm a college student. Yeah. I would love to treat you to a cup of coffee and learn about your industry. The second you graduate from college, no one really wants to help you because now you're just another working adult. Yeah. Like if anyone just hits me up and is like, hey, Jake, I'd love to learn about your industry. Would you be willing to meet for a coffee? I'm like, like, yeah, but I'm really busy. And like, what's the real trade off here? Like, I'd love to help. Can we like start with just talking on LinkedIn or online? Like, but if any college student reaches out to me and says like, hey, I'm a student and I want to learn immediately. I'm like, I'm like, fuck yeah. Like I was that student one day. You clearly want to learn. Happy to meet. How many of your friends were doing what you were doing? none yeah couple and it it, it became very lonely it actually did that was a very hard thing i learned a lot from that which is like there were a lot of days where everyone i'm surrounded with like all my friends all their friends like everyone who'd come to our parties everyone who'd hang out in my house were like what are you 
what are you doing? Like, why are you not playing beer die with us right now? And instead like going to get coffee with some older guy. Like I just would always ignore that. And then actually what started happening, which I thought was really funny and kind of cool is a couple of years later, I'm a few years out of school now, give it like 18 months. And then a bunch of people started reaching back out to me. were like, yo man, I didn't get I it. Fucked they, up. Were, they were yeah. like, no, they literally reaching out to me on LinkedIn or Facebook and being like, yo, I totally like used to think you were kind of weird back then because you were doing this. But now I realize that really worked out well. Yeah. I'm um, like, can I have some advice? I'm like, sure. Of course. Um, so, I mean, that's a big thing is like, do you want to just be like doing what all the other kids are doing? Or do you want to like hire someone, those kids? I want to learn there? about just like what setting, what would set a senior apart? What would, what set someone apart? Totally. Being a student. Number one is doing those coffee meetings every week, one a week. Look, seriously, I'm dude, literally if you do it for that. one year, one year, yeah. you'll meet 50 awesome people. I'd say probably the first 10 will be like, nice cool that's great you met them like they could always help you the next 10 will be like pretty sweet the next 10 will be fantastic the the next where are we at now 30 the next 20 will be like really badass hell yeah one year how freaking easy is it going to be to get a job after college yeah with 50 people now that can like easily get you a job Mm -hmm. let alone five people so that's a big thing that sets those students apart is like the vast vast majority of college students graduate they don't know anyone they don't know anyone. Yeah. So they just go on Indeed or on like hungrybuffs.com Indeed or whatever. Indeed does nothing. Yeah. And then they just yeah. like start applying for jobs. Yeah. And it takes a while to get a job when uh-huh. you do it that way because no one wants to just like sit there and go through resumes. So you take the best job you can get just mm-hmm. to get to New York City as early as possible. Start making like dirt money living either back at home with your parents or like in some really tiny piece of shit place. But like I'm telling you the formula. It's so easy. Just go get coffee with people while you're still in school and you have the time. You don't have the expenses to worry about it. It's- the second you graduate, like you get a job. Yeah. A great job. It's tough. You just know in New York City, I've been doing reaching out to 10 people day via LinkedIn and setting up phone calls. Yeah. Every single one I've set up a phone call with, we're saying, when you are applying, we'll give you an internal referral totally. Like, Easy. or yeah. I ask for a referral for something else, but I'd say it's a little bit trickier here to get, get coffee and sit down with people because they're just so fucking busy. I get that for sure. But yeah. um, in any college town, like, not every college town, but a lot of college towns, there's a somewhat thriving startup community nearby. Like, for example, I know people at the University of Maryland, like you're in College Park. There's no startup community there. But if you're in a Boulder or you're in like any tier two city, you're in Ann Arbor, Boston, like any of those, like there's a great community there of startup people. All right, look, like let's call this a metaphoric coffee. Get on a fucking video chat with them. Like no excuses. People are so willing to help too. I met this guy. Totally. Reached out to this it's guy ridiculous. who lives in uh, Australia. Yeah. I had an hour and a half Zoom with him and now we have a Google f- folder talking about how to build a resume, cover letter, Boom. what he wants me to be doing, what he wants me to message people, like the totally. templates. And I'm just like, this. I didn't even know this fucking guy yeah. and now he's now he's willing to help. Totally. So it's it's crazy to see there's people out it's there like that. Yeah. yeah. I would say another one, which you mentioned before, is reading books. Um, Any recommendations for- So uh, many recommendations. Audience? But like, look, there's millions of books out there. Yeah. Self-help books are amazing. It's the highest selling you have to, genre. You have to practice though. You could just read, my stigma is you could read them all day, but if you don't put anything to work- Oh, totally. Yeah. It's, here's why I talk about it though. Like. I have stacks and stacks of books in my place. Okay. Um, I've probably only you kinda read- You kind of like hard copy or Kindle? I like a, a real book. Okay. If there's something that I also I listen to vinyl. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. I, I just like that stuff. Um, I've probably only read a third of them cover to cover. The rest of them, like I skim, 
I, I know what they're about. I'll jump back around. It's almost like a like a Bible or a little dictionary that you can just kind of like yeah. go to a certain spot when you need it. Those are business books or self-help books. But every time you open up a book, you learn like something that you can now take to conversation. It's almost like um, being proficient in what's going on with sports or the For news. Sure. Like you always want to make sure you can show up with something to add to the conversation. Look, when you're in the world of business getting started, you can be like, so what are you guys reading lately? Like what books are on your mind or what books would you would you recommend to someone like me? That topic of books is like the news yeah. for entrepreneurial people. So just always being like, oh yeah, I've totally read that. Like really love Tim Ferriss's theories on, um, you know, work-life balance or whatever, mm-hmm. or work-life congruence. Um, really appreciated like Jim Collins's thoughts on, uh, you know, the five points of leadership. So you just throw that line out there and people like immediately just take you as like a smart person, bottom line. You're a smart person. Um, and then they want to help with that. And then the last thing, dude, which... This one blows my mind. This one really blows my mind. Let's hear it. It's just ask. Ask for help. Like, it's the easiest, most straightforward thing that no one does. Could you give me an example of a phrase you ask for help? Literally ask for anything. Yeah. Hello, sir or madam. Um, (laughs) No, I mean, it's like, what do you want? Like, do you want more money? Do you want them to hire you? Just like, ask the freaking question. I get so many, I get all the time. messages on LinkedIn or emails, dear Mr. Hurwitz, I'm a student and would really like to meet you for a cup of coffee. Um, but I understand you're really busy. So totally understand if you can't, oh, yeah. Don't if you can't make it. Yeah. And I'm like, you just asked me to say no to you. Like yeah. be confident, just make the ask. Dear Mr. Hurwitz, um, love what you did with your last startup, read about it and built in Colorado. Would love to take you for a cup of coffee and learn about X, Y, and Z. Boom. Boom. I'm like done. Just say yes every time. I'm like done every time. Yeah. Um, just because you asked. I have so many friends, so many um, colleagues that are just like, oh, like, I just feel really stuck at my current salary range. Like I really want to break six figures this year. And I'm like, all right, what's holding you back? They're like, oh, I don't know. Like I failed my boss this. And I'm like, all right, look, why don't you just go into Mars, ask for more and like justify it with do your homework and be like, this is why I deserve more money or something. Mm-hmm. 100% of the time they get the raise just because they asked for it. It's like the world is not built to just hand you shit. Millennials and Gen Z, you guys were raised, we were raised, just handed shit. Oh my God, 19th place. Here's a beautiful trophy for you. Let's get this, like, screw that, dude. That's the worst shit that's ever happened to to anyone ever. Um, And so now it's like, look, you want something, like, go out and get it. The world's not just going to give it to you. No one's just going to give you a raise. No one's just going to hire you. No one cares about you. It's funny, especially in recruiting, a lot of people are asking for six figures on their first job. It just takes fucking time. And, and I know I'm not expecting that right out of school. I just want somewhere where there's going to be a lot of growth. You can but, get yeah. six figures in your first job. Yeah. I'd actually disagree with what you just said. Really? Um, totally. I think it depends. Know what it, know what it takes. Yeah. Six figures is twice the average American income at 21 years old. It's really, really difficult. But look, it just comes down to a couple things. One, like how unique is your brain and your viewpoint on the world? How unique are your solutions to that? How good is your work ethic and your hustle? And like, do you get results and how big are the problems that you're solving? And your income is directly related to the size of every one of those things. I'm going to have to write those down after. Yeah. (laughs) Happy to repeat those. (laughs) Um, Historically related. Like, look, you want to put a man on the moon or a man on Mars. That's really, really hard to do, but the market's going to reward you very fruitfully for that. You want to like sell mangoes on the side of 42nd street, like not a huge problem to solve. The market's not going to, reward you that fruitfully for it mm. pun intended yeah <laughs> um, but you know this 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 question didn't come up but i'll kind of sprinkle it in there it's like at the end of the day though none of none of that really matters if that's not what you want yeah it just comes down to what you want 
Um, I'll actually add that to the list too of like where do the where do college students fall short a little bit. I don't yeah. know if that was the right way to word it, but you don't really it takes time to find that out though. I for me asking around a lot. But that's the point of college. Yeah. Experience. Yeah. Yeah. Like look, if you just graduated, all right, sorry, you, it's not too late. Like go get started. But if you're even a senior, you have a year I know to do so much shit. To hang out with so many people, ask so many questions, fail That's so many things. A year. Exactly what I want to work on. 365 opportunities to like try again. That's a lot of different things. You could do one crazy thing a day and learn a ton. And like guarantee you in that time, you'll figure out what you're passionate about and what you're good at. And you're really, look, you're really looking for that three, the sweet spot of three things. Like yeah. what you're passionate about, obsessed with really. Mm -hmm. What you're good at and what the world needs. How can... For me, I, I definitely know what I am obsessed with. Yeah. The creative, being a part of the creative side of everything. Like cool. This shit I absolutely love. Getting yeah. people's interest and getting a take on everything. It's just tough to see how some of this relates to the real world and what industry it would relate to. No so, such thing as the real world. Yeah. No one knows what they're doing out I just, here. It's just a thing to say, the real world. Just because in college, no, I, I feel like we're not. Um, sure. Well, I'll tell you what. The real world if we're going to define that as like the world after college. Yeah. It's extremely different. It's a really hard transition um, for most people. I went into it thinking like, I've already been working with adults for a while. I'm going to be fine. The world kicked my ass after that for like six months, dude. I just, I did nothing and just watched the office all day and like Damn. was depressed as fuck. Um, it was like three months, but it <laughs> took me like six months end to end. Yeah. But you know what? The real world is awesome and exciting and challenging and full of surprises and really, really exciting. And it's just kind of up to you to decide, like, do you want to play that game and make it like ride that wave and like be dope at surfing metaphorically? Or do you want to just keep getting wrecked by the waves and like crawl up in a ball and let the world crush you? Mm -hmm. um, at first I didn't know how, so I like let that world crush me all the time. And then I just like, I'm not gonna do this anymore and did it. So the real world though is like up to you to define. But like I said, no one knows what they're doing out here ever. No one ever figures it out. But that's the point. So like the world's really big too. You move to New York City or you move to like any place after college. And like I said before, unfortunately, no one gives a shit about you. But fortunately, no one gives a shit about you, which means you can go do anything and no one's really going to judge you. Yeah. And it'd be an issue. But all it comes down to is just solve problems for people. If your podcast like truly gets kids to hustle the next week. You just provided major value to their life. It's called motivation. Exactly what I want to do. Exactly. Um, make if everything your podcast, relatable and motivate. Yeah, yeah make it relatable. Um, you know, if your podcast like gives people that comfort and gets them to like get off the couch and, and go clean their apartment, those small wins. If it gets them to like, you know, back off from the ledge, which I understand how powerful that is. Yeah. Amazing. You just won. You're solving problems for them. Now you just got to get smart with how you monetize it. Um, don't sell out. Like, don't sell out to the man, quote unquote. Don't yeah. like ruin the product that you're trying to sell. Get to know your people really well that you're yeah. talking to. But also then look at like what sucks about podcasts. Solve those problems. Mm -hmm. What sucks for college students. I, I did find a niche demand on especially YouTube with just equipment set up. And there's little things that go. I didn't know so much went into actually the production. Yeah. Because these big podcasters make it sound so good. And make it run so efficiently. Yeah. But it's really not that simple now. Not First, I was using it with a big mic and you could hear everything with the echoes as well as you couldn't even have the air conditioning on. And now that I have this stuff, it makes it easier. But still, you have to worry about a bunch of other stuff. So it's not as easy as it, as it fucking sounds. So. Right. I mean, dude, look, go put out like 
couple dozen pieces of content on like how to make your podcasts better targeted towards podcasters and just see what happens. Yeah. Is there anything like that out there? There is. It, but it's more on the on the market side. So sure. or marketing side, I, I would say. Yeah, marketing is kind of a silly thing now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's important as it's important as hell. And I'm a marketer, but like marketing's just become this buzzword for things that it's not at this mm -hmm. point. I, and I didn't realize how big Instagram was with, with marketing. I, I, I'm not really on Instagram that much, but I've heard it's really taken over a lot of platforms just for promotion and stuff like that. So are you, are your ads run through or run where ads. do you, okay. So how do you do a lot of your marketing for We're not marketing right now for my new company? Okay. Um, we're in, we're in development, building the app, focus on a private beta group at the moment. You want to just give a rundown of what yeah, it is and kind of... Totally. So the app is called Everyday. Yeah. company's called Everyday, E-V-R-Y-D-A-Y. Essentially, we're solving some really interesting problems, both for like watching video on your phone and then also news. And the intersection of both of them is where Everyday falls. So it's a daily video newsletter that's available offline on your phone. So essentially, for somebody that's very busy, commuting all the time, um, traveling a bunch, when you're in places like the subway, the train, or an airplane, there's no cell service. So actually accessing your news is difficult if you like video, which is the number one form of content consumption. Um, you just can't do it. The streaming doesn't work. Can't get any ads, so there's no business model there, so there's no videos to really watch. Um, you try to sit there and scroll through Instagram or Facebook like while you're offline, it's not going to happen. Yeah. So then on the news side, getting your news is really difficult. You have a number of subscriptions. You don't know what's true anymore. It's all over the place. Um, where do you get your news? LinkedIn usually or CNN. I, I'm not really on Twitter either, but that's a big source for right. people getting their news. Cool. I, what I learned is that everyone listens to or consumes their news in a completely different format. Okay. And news means a different thing for everybody. And so that's a problem. That's an, or rather an opportunity mm -hmm. for the market. So essentially what we're doing is aggregating news video clips from dozens and dozens of sources and then creating what's like a Spotify Discover Weekly for video that news. That is awesome. And sending it straight to your device, automatically downloading it to and, your and phone. And I heard, or I read it's offline too, right? So it's going to be automatically downloaded. Yeah. So when you get on the subway or you're on an airplane and there's no cell service at all, your videos are still there in perfect quality with no streaming issues mm -hmm. at all. Um, so a couple of the great advantages to this are Can't one, wait to use it. Yeah, it's going to be a couple months until it's ready, but yeah. you're you're there. So number one, great experience of viewing on mobile. It's all made for mobile. Um, it's not basically video is like taken from a TV screen or a desktop and then just like put on your phone. They're like, here you go, enjoy it. But like, yeah. it needs to be designed differently. It needs to be scaled differently. It needs to be produced differently. The it needs subtitles. It needs better audio. It needs to be vertical, not horizontal. Just like. The experience of watching on your phone on the go is extremely different than everywhere else, but no one's fixing that. So Hell we're yeah. fixing that and we're focusing on news to start. It's really important content. Um, it's readily available. And essentially, if you have all these subscriptions across m many different news sources where you just like don't even really pay attention anyway, now it's all in one place. One subscription um, if you want to pay, otherwise you're going to have ads on our, on our app um, and you get everything. So that's the approach. But the, the coolest part that gets me really excited is how personal it is. So the more you use it, the smarter it gets, essentially. Like if I if you, I see that you're watching um, Bleacher Report all the time. So you have an algorithm for that? Yeah, that's what we're building right now. That it's like, that's the Discover Weekly part, like on Spotify. And you so just said like, you just posted on LinkedIn that you're looking for a software engineer, right? Yeah, two okay. roles right now, ahead of engineering. So if anyone is a marketing. software engineer in New York City, yep. reach out. <laughs> yeah, if anyone loves um, video, news, and uh, 
and like machine learning and mm -hmm. data science. So do you have office space in the city or? Yeah, we're at 46 and 5th. Is that like a common space or? Yeah, it seems like everyone I'm hanging out with lately works on 46 and 5th. Okay. <laughs> it's uh, no, it's right I mean, in Midtown. Like, it's like a WeWork or? Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. Um, we're at a different place called Workhouse. It's like a it's like a um, shared building. So okay, each sweet. Each floor is different. Um, yeah, it's a pretty cool spot. I'll be, I'm seeking to move us down to Soho when the team gets big enough. Oh, awesome. It's closer downtown. And then did you come up with the idea or did you have a yeah so this was a unique approach that i started taking um about a year ago to starting companies well then this at boulder bits yeah basically what it comes down to at the end of the day is like making a good investment always making a good investment um investment on time investment on money investment on emotions and heartache like always make sure you're making a good investment do your diligence figure it out 99 of startups according to me uh, don't make a good investment, or founders rather, don't make a good investment. They get very emotionally attached to a startup idea and put hours and hours and hours and time and time and time and money and money and money into building out an idea. Their execution typically is not that great, and they haven't really validated that the market needs this, and they don't have any investors in the beginning to like help them actually fund it. Mm -hmm. So you're kind of just like saying, we want to get somewhere in outer space. Mm -hmm. Let's just go figure out how we're going to do it um, let's go. Yeah. That's an extremely calcul uncalculated way of getting there. So instead, I like to take the opposite approach, which is first start with the end goal in mind, which is like, we're going to land right there on the moon. How are we going to get to the moon? We're going to use this rocket ship. How are we going to get there with the rocket ship? We're going to use this fuel. Let's now just put the pieces together and get there. So first I put all those things together and then I just run with it. Now that was all metaphoric, but the legitimate of that, the, the practicality of that means, um, first I go to the investors. I go find business people that have tech, um, so in this case, I found a team here in New York that I'd known for a while because I helped them um, with some consulting work in the past that yeah. needed, um, they have all this technology that they built to power and deliver a better mobile video experience. And they've been selling it to awesome yeah, clients. Better to go to. Right. So so I'd known them and they, they came to me and said, hey, we have this tech. We want to build a consumer facing app with it. Um, can you help us? Because I know consumer, I know startups. Um they're not as much in that world. They're more on the business to business side. And I was like, sure. So see what we can do. Let's do a bunch of research and see what we got. And then I basically, for all of us, made it very clear, like the goal here is for this to die. The goal here is to kill this. Um, if And we're going to do as much research and diligence as we possibly can on the market, on the dollars, on the consumer side, like all of it to try to kill that um, and, and really build a case as to why the world doesn't need this thing. Well, we couldn't essentially it survived which is really good that's how i look at start making an investment it's like if you can't kill this thing if something out there is still saying like don't die yet keep it alive yeah um because otherwise you're going to be wasting a lot of time a lot of money and a lot of heartache so after about two months of research um and finding that like people were really interested in this and like big companies were really interested and there was just like a perfect just a perfect <laughs> approach for it a perfect business so model passion, and everything uh, oh yeah i love this stuff yeah um i was like all right let's do it like let's start a new startup um let's fund it let's build the team let's launch this brand let's start recruiting let's see wh where it goes um and since then it's just been like a lot of things i can't publicly share yet but of course totally taking off in the right direction getting Hell a lot yeah. of really positive uh results and, but we've been working really hard at it. Like now it's at this point where I'm extremely emotionally attached to it Yeah, and it's going to be a good investment. So, um, onward and upward with it at this point. Hell yeah. So essentially it just comes down to like, look, if you want to start a company, start anything, 
I would highly recommend not just like quitting your job or or putting all your eggs in one basket. Instead, go find like the partners first. Go find the financiers. Find the demand before you build anything. So you, sit, you do that while you're in your current job or? Yeah, it could be while you're in your current job. I had done it like as a contractor for a while. Like yeah. While I was basically just taking time off after that acquisition in January um, and looking for my next gig. And I did not at all think I was going to start this company. I thought I was going to go either like join a different company, a different fund, or start a totally different type of business. This one just became the most like, I could not walk away from it. I couldn't, I couldn't turn it down. That's awesome. Um, so yeah, it's like start with the funding in mind, start with the getting, getting all those things locked in before you build anything. And what's your biggest takeaway from it so far? From this one? Yeah. That's a good question. Um, takeaway I'll get back to you on that one but one thing that is very apparent that I didn't really I knew it would be hard but I didn't think it'd be this hard yeah. is how difficult it is starting a business alone um starting a business alone that's it it's so hard granted I have a team of investors and advisors that I work with a couple days a week and they're always available but like in the past I've 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 done these things alone, but it was, you know, service business. So I have clients, it's got like a team of contractors to help. But right now, like I truly have to earn my team. I truly have to earn our next office. I have to earn the funding to hire the team and move into that office. Like, so I, I can, I'll wake up any given morning and it's like, all right, well, another day of like moving from my bed to my couch and opening my laptop at 7 a.m., 8 a.m. Yeah. to like get started. And like, I don't know what I'm, I'm doing the right thing or not. And there's no one here to like tell me where to be or what to do and, and challenge my ideas. And so emotionally, that's very, very difficult. Um, constantly like waking up and reminding myself of it. It got me into meditation, which I never thought I Yeah, Jake actually uh, talked about that for a bit. Yeah, the last like major startup uh, life-changing thing that happened to me, it got me into yoga. Okay. Which I never thought would happen before then. And then meditation, I was always like, oh, I'm like, too high strung like my mind's always moving too fast i can't do it like it's not gonna work and then yeah. i i forced it and now it's actually changing um changing a lot of that like morning routine for me which is which is great that's great but the big takeaway there is like it's really hard man it's definitely what you hear which is like it's really hard starting a company mm -hmm. it's definitely harder doing it alone and just to recap um just the importance of Senior year, that's just where uh, my main target audience totally. is right now. Yeah. Biggest biggest things going forward, last recommendations, you would say coffee chats, Huge one, one a week. How many, if you put metrics to it, how many reach outs would you do? If, you, if you're starting from scratch and not really say, maybe say LinkedIn or emails. Yeah. I would say LinkedIn is your friend. First, make your LinkedIn profile look really badass. Get yeah. a good photo. Um, update your cover picture to be the uh, skyline of the city that you want to be moving to. Hell yeah. Um, so people know that's where you are. Um, make your things sound really pretty. I would not recommend if you're, especially if you're entrepreneurial, right? Like yeah. that's kind of who we're talking to, at least who I can talk to no, here. Yeah. Like, I, I can't talk to the kids that want to go like work at, um, you know, AARP or like yeah. Deloitte. I just, I can't, that's not my world. But if you're doing something entrepreneurial, you want to join a startup, you want to like start your own thing as soon as possible. LinkedIn is your best friend have that shit on your home screen on your phone all push notifications on get really dope at linkedin i'm telling you 
Um, that's what I've learned from my job this summer. It's for sure. Like I said before it's in the huge. last episode, it's the most incredible tool out the most there. Most incredible tool. So like dial in that page. Get get your get that like all-star page going. And then I would probably say on Sunday night and like Wednesday night, sit down for an hour and just like it's reach out, hard. reach out yeah. to like 20 people at a time. Yeah. Um, you'll probably get a 10% response rate. So, you know, two or three people out of that will re- reply. That's great. Um I like recommending doing something unique. You're doing something unique, meaning you're doing a podcast, you're putting out content, you're sharing something of value with the world around you. You're already like steps ahead. Mm-hmm. I'm sneeze. <laughs> no worries. You can edit that sneeze Bless out. you, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. Um, you're already doing something unique that is providing value for the world. Now, what you're doing that I think is really interesting is you're connecting with people through the podcast. Like, yeah. if you had just reached out to me for coffee, cool. We would have just had coffee, but yeah. you just provided great value to my life tonight. Cause like one, I was really excited this morning, waking up being like, I get to be another podcast. Today. Yeah. I love being on podcasts. That's like a highlight of the day. I got like a ton of fucking spreadsheets and emails to do all day. Yeah. This is a good way to end it. People thanks, don't realize how much they love it. Yeah. Until no, it's super fun. Yeah. And it's like, thanks man. Like I really appreciate it now. Um, you need anything from me. I got you. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's that simple. Hell yeah. And you do that with three or four people a week, even like that's amazing. Cool. Um, Maybe podcasting is not your thing. You can make it even easier. Start like a little blog and just do quick recaps of all the coffee meetings that you have with people. Um, Or like start a new photo series and put it up on LinkedIn every week on like, these are cool pictures that represent, I don't know, entrepreneurship. That's a little I would love, I think it would be really interesting to do a blog or a little blurb on LinkedIn about the coffee meetings. Because it would be crazy. Yeah, And so I actually have... um, that experience so the i might post something about that yeah like some kid i met for coffee once a couple years ago some student i don't remember who it was exactly and i'm if i remember who it was i'm gonna like give him a shout out but um we met for coffee and then like three days later Oh, yo, it might have been Dan Jung. Do you know Dan Jung? No. He's from Long Island. He went Shout to out to Dan Jung. Shout out no. to Dan Jung. I'm going to let him know. <laughs> Pretty sure it was Dan. If it wasn't Dan, then like you just got a, a random fake shout out. But yeah. um, we met for coffee and like a couple days later, he put up on LinkedIn like a public thank you. It was like huge shout out to to Jay Hurwitz. Met me for coffee at the Laughing Goat in Boulder. Um, we talked about X, Y, and Z. Really appreciate um, all of these thoughts. This is what I took away from it. Hell yeah. Um, I saw that and was like, dude, nice. Like one, really glad that that coffee meant something to you. Like that makes me really pleased. Like I'm, I feel psyched that I was able to provide you some knowledge that you were able to walk away with. Mm -hmm. Two, stroked my ego. Always a pleasure. Thanks, bro. Um, three, like he probably got some decent engagement from that. And now for other people that he wants to get coffee with, even if they like, don't say it, they might've seen that. And will now think like, yeah, I'll get coffee with Dan because I kind of want him to shout me out too yeah. and stuff. And that's so easy. Like if you do that tonight with me as a thank you, like that'll go really far. You don't have to by any means, but that'll go really far. I don't know if I'm going to go public with the podcast on LinkedIn yet. Totally. I think it has to wait a This bit. one might not be good yeah. for LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> um, but look, the coffee's like, and it, it was a surprise. I had no idea he was going to do that. Um, it was very cool. Yeah. It's little things like that that really stand out. So mm-hmm. getting, getting those coffee meetings is key. Um, look, for the college student, like, figure out what you want figure out what makes you unique there needs to be a fucking class on this in college because there's i don't think there should be you don't think so no because it should be your own it separates um it separates like the the men from the boys the the girls from the women the have from the have nots it separates it's a weed out like living that life is difficult being 
a top one percenter um, in your age group, in your earning class, whatever it is, like it's not for everybody. That's why it's one percent. So if we start teaching those like basics of success, um, I think it'll it'll uh, deplete it a little bit. Now, granted, look, rising tide helps all. Definitely subscribe to that. Like wanting everyone to be more successful for a, a societal mm-hmm. growth. I get that for sure, but it's kind of like it needs to be hard. Yeah. Like you need to grind your teeth on some stone to have sharp teeth. Like there's got to be something. Yeah. Um, Because it's so easy, but a lot of people aren't doing it, which. It's not easy though. Well, once you start doing it, like yeah. doing it is actually so easy. Like it's the emotion ago, right? that's hard. Well, I, I One of my biggest mentors, uh, he, he works in investment banking. Yeah. He's always preaching the power of LinkedIn, but I didn't really start using it till the summer. But once I got my hands on it and I saw how easy it was for someone to help you out, now I yell at myself for not doing it back then. But yeah. since I'm doing it right now, totally. no worries. Yeah. No, it's, it's- You need to like experience it then or like see success with it totally. in a way yeah, yeah. To really and you know what like kick off i think it's originality is a huge one Hell um, yeah i'm not going to stay st- sit here and tell all these listeners like if you're not on linkedin you're losing because i don't believe that mm-hmm. um what i do believe though is like you have to figure out your own formula to stand out to the world around you that that could mean so many things that that just might mean your coffee thing it might mean that you host dinner parties every month which i do personally um to meet new people and connect with people with other people. It might mean that you host like awesome happy hours. It might mean that you just like have a good newsletter or you put your favorite playlists on your Instagram stories every Monday because you just want to like share great music with the world. Yeah. It might mean that you make freaking keychains and like put up little how-to videos on YouTube. Like just don't be a normal average person that just like goes to class, drinks beer and gets stoned. It's it's and funny though that you you can say that, but I would say before I didn't really have the confidence enough or I was a little bit too shy to expose myself out to the world. Yeah. But now it's start like now I started, I want to fucking it's let th- it all out. Yeah, I get that. And it's, like it's, I was it's a that confidence guy. piece too. But now that I, I don't know if a couple of years ago I would have been comfortable having a podcast totally. and releasing you know what I'm saying out into the world. Right. But now I'm doing it. I want to share pretty much everything. Oh, it becomes addicting. Yeah. And like the, the, and I'm sure people, it was hard at first until yeah. you started to see those like snowball effect of oh, results. Yeah. When people, the best is when I posted something on Facebook last week and I probably got 75 texts from people I haven't talked to in a while saying, that's really cool what you're doing. Yeah. The episode I listened to had a huge impact on my day. Keep it up. Amazing banter. Yeah. Best fucking feeling in the world. Not best even feeling. the money. That is just the best feeling. It's the best feeling. Yeah. And then, but here's the funny thing too that I, this is my favorite part about it is, the more of that you do, the more value you provide to people's lives, like even if that doesn't actually put money in your bank account, let's say that happened on a Sunday night or a Monday morning. Yeah. Then what you do next is enter the day with you're happier, you're more motivated, you have higher personality, you're just like brain is on fire in a good way. Yeah. You're you're fucking crushing it that day. Just because you did something that like the world told you, dude. Good job. Like you Hell are yeah. you earned first place medal. Here's no medal for 19th place, but like you just earned first place. Keep going. Um, you're gonna have to work harder next time. And what you do with the rest of the day then, over and over and over and over again, that's where the money comes from. Like mm-hmm. that's where you graduate from school with a six-figure income. It's that snowball effect. Sweet. All right, just to wrap things up. We just covered the last piece of advice, but mm-hmm. what's next for yourself? So this is the beginning of a new chapter for me. Awesome. Um, I just moved across the country to start this new business, um, settled into a new studio apartment, new neighborhood, like 
back with my family now. My family, I grew up here, so it's nice being with the family. Um, what's next for me is now like really digging into this chapter um, that I started about two months ago. So on the grind in New York City, that's what it is. Love it. Yeah. All right, Jake, thank you so much for coming on. Of course, and, uh, man, fun stuff. We'll catch you guys next time on the JB Show.